velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scored. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug. The rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black, and white. My name is Gabriel, and I am joined by Glory supporter, Glory Hunter Tom, takes two weeks off during the dark depths of the season, then rejoins me for a brilliant interview with JP Ferreira. And now this week to talk about the record victory against Exeter Chiefs. Tom, it's so nice to see a smiling face down the camera looking back at me. Mate, I'm a I'm a fair weather fan. Always have been. The clocks go forward. Summer's around the corner, and yeah, I'm back to talk about yeah, mate. The first win of 2023. It's felt a long three months or so to be a Bath fan, but yeah, watching those games back, G, as we as we always do before these these podcasts, has felt like a bit of a a bit of a chore at times, and we've almost stopped previewing games at, at, at points. So. Yeah, did not see that coming, but couldn't be happier to be to be to be talking about a win. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant Bath performance. 36-19 against Exeter Chiefs on Sunday at the Rec. And I do feel a bit for Henry Bate, who did join me on a couple of occasions throughout <laughs> this this darker period. And yeah, we were in pretty negative spirits, but but the exact opposite this week. And and I kind of feel like 40 to minutes to an hour of a pretty high positivity coming up. Yeah, mate, and we're off the bottom. You know, uh, our West Country rivals nearly nearly shafted us um, by 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 losing up at Newcastle. So it felt like a long way off the bottom, and yeah, just did not see that result coming. But let alone the nature of that result, G. You know, a mm. bonus point after after forty six minutes, record equaling win against Exeter, who let's not forget have just come off winning some silverware, albeit with the the Premiership Rugby Cup. They've got their internationals returning, wanting to to leave the club in many cases on a high. And they're in the hunt for the top four. You know, we we spoke about what's on the line for us with, with JP last week. And that's basically just pride. Yes, not finishing bottom, but basically pride. And yeah, we, we really, really showed it at, at, at times. So yeah, I almost feel like I'm dreaming a little bit, but 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 we're here. All that can be true about Exeter, and we're not going to talk too much about Exeter, but I will have a little a little word on them at the end. But they were simply dreadful on the day, which which kind of made it made it even sweeter. This is the Bath Rugby Plug, of course, brought to you by Black and White Butchers. If you were at the game on Sunday, then hopefully you got to the Black and White Butchers stand next to the Swift Half. It may or may not have been the highlight. I reckon it would have come close to the highlight with that and the, the Cam Red Pass solo try, which kicks things off at the wreck. But if you haven't tried it yet, absolutely do. And if you're going to the last game, last home game of the season against Saracens in about a month's time, then make sure you check out 
black and white butchers hog roast stand next to the swift heart and check out their instagram for contact details if you want to take your event to the next level bar took it to the next level on sunday tom and without doubt in my mind the best performance and the most comprehensive performance and the best feeling that we've had under johan van gran and maybe for the past couple of seasons I think so, yeah. I mean, the, if you look at the wins we've had this season and yeah. when myself, you and Henry did the mid-season review, we, we picked Leicester. But let's not forget, that was a last-ditch win in a game that had been nip and tuck and it could have gone either way. This extra game, it was it was a battering. You know, 17 points, bonus point try, denying them a bonus point, importantly, importantly as, we'll, as, as, as we'll come on to. And yeah, I think we, we, we showed at times a really, really well-rounded, well-rounded game plan. So yeah, aided, I think, G, by a very, very strong selection hmm. that, we were, that, that we made. And, you know, I, I said to you before the game, I think with an exception of a handful of players with, you know, longer-term injuries, so an Underhill, a Barbary, a Wilmier, maybe a Charlie Yules, it's pretty much the best team we can field, you know, Ollie Lawrence hasn't played in the Premiership since the turn of the year. Uh, that coincides, incidentally, with our, our last win. Um, <laughs> correlation may be causation in, in some in some cases. Ted Hill, another Worcester boy, back from two months with a with a hamstring injury, and I think really importantly, only the second time this season that we fielded our starting front row of Abano, Dunn, and Stewart, and I think that was that was fairly key on the day. So yeah, selection was was. Was looking good, but many times we've been been good on paper and not so on grass tree. Yeah, let's get into the detail, Thomas. I'm, I've been itching to do ever since five o'clock on Sunday, and and let's start in that department, your favourite department, and that is the front row, and 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 the performance of all three of those guys was was just really really impressive and, and absolutely pivotal. What impressed you most about the performance of of Bath's front row? Well, I think across the board they were they were great. You know, against a strong Exeter front row, you know, an Alex Hepburn, a Yendel, and a, a Scott Seo, you know, an Australian international, we had dominance at scrum time. You know, Will Stewart I thought was fantastic. He he really had Scott Seo's number. There's a number of times when he came straight through in between the loose head and 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 the hooker, which just is a sure sign of of dominance. Tom Dunn as always, top the tackling charts and he put his body on the line as as he always does. And the line out for the second week in the row was was pretty on the money. So 16 out of 17 line outs successful on our ball, which has been a huge area of of, of concern. And then Beno Urbano, cool. I mean, man of the match. And, and haven't we missed him? You know, he not only got 70 plus minutes done, recently back from injury, 125 kilo guy and put himself about but with ball in hand, he just gives us that little bit extra. You know, I think, I think for his try, it, it really showed what we've been missing. And that's someone with that little bit of extra power in the carry who can just get over the door, you know, batter the door down close up. And, you know, Ted Hill has been good for us in that regard, but he's been, he's been out. So, yeah, I think they all, they all showed something slightly different, but I think actually balance each other out, out quite nicely. So, yeah, it was it was a it was a great performance from them, and I like the fact that Jurgen van Grand left them on a little bit longer because they did have dominance. Yeah, I mean Benno was superb on the day. He did have a ten minute sit down in the first half, which maybe meant he didn't quite push over the seventy minute mark. And maybe it was a tactical, maybe it was a tactical high shot. 
<laughs> well, I think he was bloody lucky to get away with just a yellow for that, but we're not going to dwell on on that. I, I think he won a scrum penalty on about 70, 71 minutes after the Mike Williams knock-on. And he got up and just looked straight at Van Gran and the, the bench like, come on, is that not enough? It was a superb performance from Urbano and those guys were outstanding. I really, really liked as well how in the scrum they kind of mixed it up a little bit. I thought at times they really kept it in and tried to win that scrum battle and sort of assert a little bit of dominance. But then there was a couple of occasions when it was a really quick hook and that allowed Reed, who was playing out of position, let's not forget, at eight, to get away quickly and kind of get over the game line. That happened on a couple of occasions in the first half. I thought it was a really, really impressive scrum performance. We're going to come on to talk about someone that's going to be joining that front row a little bit later in the podcast. Don't forget that. Tom, the scrum was excellent right throughout. But I feel like from the start of the game, the red path try aside, it was even. Exeter were leading the game, let's not forget, on 30 minutes, 14-7. They had scored two tries, had coughed up a couple of times. I don't Mm. think yet asserted our dominance in in key areas at that point. Um, What was your making of the the first half an hour? Was it it something that you saw coming all the time, the way the scoreline went away, or...? Kind of was a little bit nervy. I think in general it was it was it was pretty sc- scrappy. I think the overall quality of rugby improved in the second half. But yeah, there was a lot of loose ball. There was um, you know it looked some fly hacking going through. There was you know I think I think in general both sides just seemed a little bit hectic. Uh, you know the way that we allowed Exeter to score directly after that Cam Redpath try I thought was 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 disappointing as well. But I think ultimately we were winning what turned out to be a key battle in in, in the game, and that was the the battle of the the breakdown. Mm. You know, Exeter got pinged time and time again in that area, and I think a lot of that was unforced errors from them. But we definitely had the edge, both in terms of the jackal, and I thought Chris Clerter, Miles Reed, and and, and Ted Hill, the, the back row, were were, were brilliant and, and made a real mess of it. And also Ben Spencer, just showing his experience and his nous against Jack Maunder, or is it Sam Maunder, or both of them, because they one of them went off, didn't he, relatively early. And just making a nuisance of himself, disrupting the ball, getting his hands on it, pushing him at scrum time, and just, just yeah, just making it scrappy. So not probably the best spectacle of a half an hour, but I, I think we, we started to edge back into it, particularly in that, that breakdown area. Spencer was was just a nuisance, wasn't he? All day, yeah. he was back to his his sort of leadership best. I thought he was. Well, I mean, from one to twenty three, almost they were were outstanding. But I thought Spencer, he really just kind of made it difficult for for yeah those two relatively young scrum halves. I mean, Jack Moore is the same age as me, so it's not that young anymore, unfortunately. But yeah, he he definitely dominated that area and just meant they weren't able to get quick ball. And and hopefully Sam Maunder is okay because I don't know if you were flicking through the rewatch, but that was a horrific dislocated knee injury. So yeah, hopefully he's okay and, and Spencer did did come out on top on that battle. Just just quickly before before we move on. So an area that JP Ferreira mentioned that we, we've not really heard before, and that's about communication and being louder out there. And you could hear on the ref mic how much Ben Spencer was mm. talking, occasionally calling for 
you know, at one point he said we're close to a yellow card, which I, I don't really enjoy seeing. And if he's still, if if he's still in a Saracen shirt, I'm absolutely hating that. But I'll take it on this. I'll take it on this occasion. But he was talking. He was he was shouting. He's very very vocal. So he's he's clearly leading from from the front with on the comms front. He was leading from the front, Tom. We we can't kind of brush over that first yeah. thirty minutes without talking about the try of the week, probably Bath try of the season, the Ted Hill one against Toulon at King's home springs to mind as well. But an individual well, effort which was so outstanding it caught the pretty atrocious commentary team from BT Sport off guard. I mean, they do look similar, Bailey and Redpath, but yeah, Redpath just takes it straight from a nice mall and just bust through Skinner and then rounds the defend the, the kind of covering defenders so nicely and delivers the a Francois Lowe-esque celebration, which I'm sure you enjoyed. Oh, flying Cameron Puff, what could be, yeah. What could be better? I mean, we've seen what he can do as a as a as a distributor and a provider of tries, and he tops the the assist charts for Bath this this season. But yeah, I think a, an underrated part of his game is is his power, and he often gets through the the the, the 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 defensive line very very weak defense from a combination of uh, Solomoni Kata and Harvey Harvey Skinner but then when he does get through he still has so much to do and the the feet he shows sort of the double step and then the pace it was yeah it was absolutely fantastic and you could see how much it meant for him he was properly pumped he looked like a kind of WWE wrestler after the try kind of giving it giving it the kind of the giving a sort of almost like a, a Batista, Randy Orton style celebration for those who, who've watched that in the in the past. But, you know, he's had a long, two long spells out with injury. Six Nations probably hasn't gone how he's, he's wanted it to. And I'm, I'm sure he enjoyed that one. He deserved it. Yeah, that was almost a theme, wasn't it? The the big celebrations from Bath for, for their tries, especially sort of that one. And then also the... Thok and a Seager try, which we'll come on to when he busted over in the same corner. If you had tickets down in that corner, you definitely got your money's worth. Hopefully you did make it round to Tom Dunn's black and white butcher's stand to get your thing pre-match and then settled into your seat there because, <laughs> yeah, you absolutely got the best view. And there's a couple of photoshops of Red Path kind of mid-air um, photoshopped into some other kind of photos obviously so yeah check that out on bar social media if if you like that sort of thing and kind of from 30 minutes tom abano comes back on from from his yellow card and then i think from that point the game kind of flipped flipped on its head and we did score those those two tries in really quick succession abano crashing over after some some ill discipline from from Exeter, which became the theme of the next sort of 40 minutes of the game. We started to dominate the breakdown. You're absolutely right. Abano's try, I thought, came from some really nice, quicker ball from Spencer and kind of quicker picking and going. It's frustrated me so many times when we've gotten close to the line and then either it's Spencer or it's the guys that are just picking and going or it's just a lack of organisation or at times for me fitness that is not ready to go quickly but how you score in those areas is just going, 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 going in succession because it catches the defenders off guard. They can't get in position. When they do get in position, they're often offside. I thought that was important and yeah, Barno, you mentioned it, just a little bit of extra strength and quite good awareness, I think, the way that he went down but knew he had time to place and score. I thought, yeah, a, a really nice try. And, and that kind of period then set the tone for the rest of the game. 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, spot on. You, you you go in waves. You get the defensive line on the back foot. You get them offside, and um, that's that's the way to do it. At times, we've looked hectic in that area. Mm. We've we've got the ball, but it's a fine line between having momentum and 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 being kind of panicked in that area. So, yeah, that was a that was that was, that was a good try. And then Big Joe's G. Do you wanna what do you wanna say about that? <laughs> nice to see, nice to, nice to see the big man in full flow, wasn't it? Just lovely. Yeah, I mean, Josh Josh Hodge did his best to kind of do a hard I mean, tackle to 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 stop him, but but not bring him down. Didn't hold him, and no, not going to go on about the commentary performance, but we all know that it was a shambles. And yeah, to to get back up, have the awareness, almost fumbled it, and then crashed over and, and scoring in that corner, as I mentioned, beautiful try, good strength, and I think you know. The three tries in that first half and three visits to the twenty-two. So mm. very, very they call it red zone efficiency in on 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 BT, and I imagine the stats guys do as well. And yeah, that's you can't get much better than that. When we got our opportunities, we we made we made them pay. Admittedly, to individual tries rather than rather than team tries. Although I would say for the for the Big Joe try, it was a lovely little chip through off his left foot you know, running forward to the line from Orlando Bailey. So a lovely touch from him. And then Big Joe does the rest. And there was, there was quite a lot to do. There was a lot to do. Tom Bath led 19-14 at half time and just kind of kept going away from Exeter. What do you put that down to? I, I think it was unexpected from my point of view. When we went in at half time, I, I thought that we would not be able to put in that performance, but we just went away from them in that second half. What what were the key key kind of points to to that Bath performance in the second half? Do you think? Yeah, well, maybe maybe one thing I'll say on the extra side. I mean, they they imploded a little bit with Ooh. with the discipline. I mean, they gave away eighteen penalties in total in the game, and I think there was a string of eight penalties after that second half. So. It's incredibly difficult to stay in a game of rugby, as we well know, when you're, <laughs> when you're on the side of the ref, the, on the wrong side of the referee to to that degree. They had a yellow card as well for a for a, a nasty high shot on 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 uh, Orlando Bailey, and Ben Spencer was very very vocal about that one as well. Um, so yeah, I think that as well as our 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 edge that we had at the breakdown and and disrupting the the, the ball as we did meant that we just had all the territory and we were playing in the right areas. And then when we did get those two opportunities, um, initially for, for Tom Dunn and then for Ollie Lawrence, we were very clinical with them and we, we, we got into the right areas and, 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 and made them pay. The other area that maybe I'll throw over to you to, 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 to let you touch on is the battle of the set piece. And I thought we really started to, to come into our own there, disrupting a few of their line outs. Our line out worked really well. The, Driving more for a change looked organised. It looked, um, it looked powerful. It looked, it looked, you know, it looked collected. Mm. And Exeter just couldn't live with us. I think that twenty minutes around half time was some of the best stuff we played. Yes, it wasn't the flashy try of of Cam Redpath, but we just started to look like a team that was was dominating in all areas. We were raided by Exeter's ill discipline, right? But mm. I think they pointed out on the commentary that. 10 of the first 11 penalties came at the breakdown. breakdown. And yeah, that's obviously Exeter's ill discipline, but that's also Bart's work at the breakdown. I think you mentioned Clurter, but there were a few other guys that, that got turnovers. McConaughey, I remember, got a key turnover. I think Stuart having a turnover as well. I, we absolutely dominated that 
that area. And that's such a key area against Exeter, isn't it? Because if you win that that middle third, you're allowed to put into the corners. It's often what they do against us and against other teams, but we put them into the corner. And then you're right mm. from there. We didn't let ourselves down with a set piece. Um, and I thought Dunn was excellent in the way he just controlled the mall at the back for his try. And then also in the lead up for the Lawrence try, he just kind of knew where he was going. And, and it's so difficult to see with your head buried into a mall and facing the ground, but he could just feel where he was meant to go for his try. And then for the Lawrence try in the lead up, he just nearly goes down to touch, but then kind of peels back through. Yeah, I thought kind of the breakdown like, uh, of the set piece yeah. on Monday. It's like the captain of a ship with his with his tiller and he's he's at the back of this powerhouse and he's he's directing it expertly as he um, as we've seen him do so many times over the years. One other thing I wanted to say on that actually is that a phrase that JP and I keep referring back to it because I thought it was good timing, G, and maybe we should claim some credit that we had JP on and then we we put in the performance of the of the season. But he said he wants to see the players play shackles off. Mm. And you know, you can you can you, I mean, people might assume that that means chuck the brawl about and and score tries like we did in, in in the first half, but I also I think it speaks to confidence in general. And you know we were nineteen fourteen up, we had that penalty. We you know a lot of times this season I think we would have we would have kicked goal there and tried to take it to to an eight point lead, but no, we backed ourselves, we stuck it in the corner, and we as I say, had confidence in our basic skills to get ourselves over the line. And that's a different kind of shackles off, but it shows that maybe we're getting a little bit of confidence and that might, you know, speak to our position in the league. But, but um, I thought that, that was, that was a nice moment going for that corner. Mm, yeah. And I think we won the, you know, going for the corner there, but we also won the open play kicking battle. I thought we kicked at the right times. We kicked a lot. Don't don't get me wrong, but we kicked at the right times. And yeah, I thought Gallagher and Spencer's kicking game and, and Bailey on a few occasions just to kind of pin them back. They kept on finding grass in that second half. Noel was turning. Um, the young fullback Hodge was turning. Woodburn was turning. And when Woodburn's turning, there's problems. So I thought we, we did that really well. Um, and yeah, we just kind of did everything did everything so well in that second half. It was it was kind of yeah. a com- almost a, a kind of complete performance for for thirty minutes. It was, and and the you know that last quarter. And I know you really enjoyed that. It wasn't about the flashy work. It wasn't about us, ha- us having the ball in in hand. I don't know what the stats were, mm. but it was about defence, and yeah. it was about it's about grit and determination, pride really against a side that is desperate to secure that bonus point in the context of, of, of trying to push up for the, for the top four. We ultimately have nothing to play for. The game's done. I mean, we, we get to 14 points and we get to 17 points ahead and there's no way back for them. So I think to show that amount of application and effort, yes, you expect it from professionals, but at times over the past couple of seasons, we've, we've not seen it. And there were some enormous efforts. Chris Clurter, I thought had a, a great game. Big Joe, made some big interventions in defence. Abano, we, we've spoken about. And Ted Hill was just a monster at times. It's so good to have him back because he just bounds about just just destroying people. And he he, he just he's only 23. And he is he I think you know he turned 24 on on Sunday, which is a nice, a nice little um probably a nice a nice nice celebration for him. But yeah the the whole the held up on his opposite man debuters as well was 
was was monstrous. So I thought I thought he was he was fantastic. And that last twenty, I think they'll be really pleased about because they kept Exeter out and they showed the best defence I think that we've seen all season by 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 some way. Yeah, JP will be over the moon with that. I thought there was a couple of really really good defensive sets from Bath where Exeter was sort of in and around the twenty two and they just couldn't get over there and there was massive commitment and, and massive levels of physicality which is the area that having spoken to to JP he stresses the most is kind of winning that physicality battle winning that contact getting your shoulder into it and yeah T- Ted Hill it's like when you're watching and it's sometimes a little bit difficult to find or work out who's put the tackle in and you see someone crash out the line with a big hit and then you go God, who was that? And it's invariably Ted Hill. He must dominate those statistics that JP spoke about in terms of shoulders into to people. Yeah, in another outstanding performance from him. Well, guy, yeah, I mean, we've seen Sam Underhill do that in the mm. past, right? When he's at his best, yeah. that's what he does. He's just pile driving people backwards. Um, yeah, but the the metrics are looking pretty good. I'll just chuck one question at you, G, maybe before we move on. But you know, I saw an article. I think it was Telegraph today, and saying that basically. Bath are a different side now under Jürgen van Graan and there are clearly fans who are getting carried away and um, possibly with the, the timing of the season ticket renewals uh, Bath probably aren't complaining about that 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 particularly um, but do you think we're getting carried away you know I know it's obviously it's never clear cut but that was you could hear Rob Baxter talk after the game that was an uncharacteristically poor performance from Exeter, particularly in terms of, of discipline, 18 penalties. There are also a few early changes which disrupted the rhythm. The line-out was inaccurate, which is is, is unlike them. So are we, do you think we're getting carried away? A little bit. But frankly, I'm going to allow myself to get a little bit carried away given how low I felt about this team and, and this season so far. I'm going to allow myself, indulge myself a little bit and, and get a little bit carried away because, yeah, you're right. Exeter were were terrible on the day. They they kind of reminded me a little bit of, of some of the, the ways Bath have just imploded in in recent seasons. Like early on, they, they kind of missed a couple of chances. I think there was a not straight. There was a bobbled line out. I think they missed three kind of chances inside the 22 in that first half when it was kind of 7-all, 7-14. And, and, and maybe it could be a different game but but you're right they just completely lost their heads in in the second half and just couldn't get on top of the breakdown couldn't really find for me and this is kind of looking at it from an outside just any sort of leadership or control of that game i, I think jack now was captain, it was yeah. yeah but i mean there was no kind of presence from from him i, I didn't think I, i've not kind of seen much of him captaining but i i didn't think he's done it much he kind of really excelled on on Sunday in, in that department and yeah the 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 frost hit on Bailey is yeah it's nasty um and he's very lucky for that just to be a yellow card I, yeah I thought they kind of imploded I mean that's the right call on that I think you, yeah yeah I mean, don't, don't get into the decisions but no no um, it's the right call but I mean if he's slightly higher that's a yeah, red and that's not a lengthy right. ban because not far, not far away. Yeah, that, it's, 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 it's malicious, I and mean, I think they were clearly very, very frustrated. Um, it's a tough time at that club, and you know, there are a lot of those internationals that are departing. Their squad's going to look very, very different 
next year. Both Simmons, Luke Cowan, Dickey, Jack Knoll, uh, Stuart Hartley. So it's yeah, I can I can understand why Rob Baxter's pretty fuming with that. Is the the fly half Simmons leaving? Yeah, both Simmons off to okay. France. I mean, Simmons didn't start. It was Harvey Skinner. He's barely started all season. But yeah, both, both Simmons. But, but what is that? It must be because he's leaving. Because, I mean, Skinner is... This no, is I mean, cheese podcast. Skinner, but we'll we'll talk about this after. But Skinner's played the lion's share of the last couple of seasons at 10 for Exeter. Has he, has he, ever, has he ever played well when you've watched him? I don't think... Yeah, I think he's... He's a decent premiership player. But anyway, we'll take this offline. We'll take this offline. <laughs> trying to keep it fairly brief. Um, and uh, yeah, I think overall, G, I think you're right. It wasn't perfect and it wasn't the best exit performance. But during parts of that game, we showed a little bit of everything that we need to show, I think, mm. to become a, a far better side. You know, flashes of a brilliance in, in attack in that first half. Much more accurate set piece. Strong tactical kicking, as, as you mentioned. Better discipline. You know, in 11 penalties, but a lot of those right at the end of the game, obviously, as trying to keep Exeter out. And then very staunch defence at, at, at the end. So, all in all, definitely the best performance of the season. And hopefully, hopefully, something to build on in a couple of weeks uh, against Gloucester. I'd be really disappointed if we were back to, you know, our old ways for a lot of this season, for the last three games of the season. So, let's, let's build on this now. We've got two weeks, no Europe. Um, and let's stick in a really good performance against Gloucester, who are looking pretty beatable at the moment. Mm, that one, we we do this by the fans, for the fans, but that performance was was absolutely for the fans. The fifth sellout in a row at the wreck. So, yeah, massive credit to, to those season ticket holders, to those people buying a ticket. That is a mighty impressive effort. And Season tickets, yeah, season tickets, kitching for Bath after that. I think a few, a few people renewing on uh, when they got home on, on Sunday night after a few Thatchers and a black and white, I'm sure. <laughs> well, how many, how many mentions is that? We're going to have to up the price of this, mate. Paper mention, mate. Paper mention. You don't see it. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me at all. By the fans, for the fans, and also for Helen Shand, who leaves the blue, black and white after that performance. One of the people behind the scenes that that us as fans probably, and in all honesty, know very little about. But 28 years at the club, longer than I've been alive. Current role as medical administrator, a big send off they had for her on Sunday. So, yeah, all the best in kind of your future endeavours. Tom, it was a brilliant performance from the Bath front row. They're going to be adding to that front row on uh, coming next season with the kind of much anticipated announcement of the signing of Thomas de Toit. What got you more excited, Tom, this signing or the performance on Sunday? Because I know it was touch and go for you. Well, it's uh, I don't know if anyone's seen the the Tom Dunn Instagram about how how um, how he likes his props big. It's uh, it's well worth watching. Quite funny from 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 Dunny, and that's very much how I felt. I mean, it's been the worst kept secret that uh, I, I think it's been widely widely rumoured, and they've even hinted at it on the official club website. But yeah, he's he's exactly the sort of player, he's exactly the position that we we need. 134 kilos, and at times we've needed every single one of those kilos this this season. Um, I think he's relatively young. Is he is he 27 or yeah, 27 years old? I think or in that in that region. Very destructive scrummager. I mean, some of the the the, the stuff that's been put out. He's he's um he's not messing around in that department, and I think very 
importantly and usefully in a salary cap era where the injury attrition is high, he can play both sides of the scrum, which is very, very difficult skill and pretty rare at, at, at sort of professional level. So a really, a really strong signing. He's obviously had background with South Africa as well, was involved in that, that World Cup winning squad, played 15 times for them. And yeah, I, I mean, it looks great on paper. So let's see what, what he can deliver. But it, it's certainly a, a, a big ticket signing in more ways than one. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I questioned whether you'd written the press release for Bath when they described him as a behemoth. Because, yeah, he seems like a big boy and that sounds like something you might refer to him as. I think he is 30, but I don't want to dampen your spirits. No, he's 27. 27. Okay. That is, yeah. that is a brilliant, brilliant signing. And, yeah, has captained the Sharks and South Africa A before. And I know at the members' evening, which was held, I think, earlier last week, Johan Van Graan was speaking very, very highly of him, a man he will be familiar with. The guy who won't be coaching Thomas de Toit in the forward pack is Neil Hatley, Tom. It was also announced later last week that he would be leaving Bath. He has been announced as the forwards coach with Australia, obviously rejoining Eddie Jones in that department. A man who's been at the club since 2012 in various roles. And I think you can probably, from my point of view at least, split this off into, into two probably quite distinct parts i think 2012 up until 2000 and, and kind of um 14 15 16 when he left to, to go for england 15 i think it was um he was outstanding the best bath pack we've had in years he was at the forefront of as the forward coach the side that, that went on to get onto the final had some years with england came back to bath kind of got messed around a little bit i feel like he was head coach he wasn't head coach he was defense coach he was forwards coach He's been in and out of various roles, but kind of for one reason or another, it hasn't quite clicked in this second role. And yeah, he's obviously, from his point of view, taken a bit of a step up. Uh, but I, I I wonder whether this might also be a bit of a mutual part department, uh, sorry, departure. Um, and, and maybe Johan will try and find someone he's a bit more familiar with as we turn to next season. Tom, Steve Diamond has been rumoured but I think you've been doing a bit of digging about how who you might like to replace Neil Hatley as Bath forwards coach. Oh yeah, I think um, yeah, Dimes obviously has been spoken about for the for the big job before Van Gran and is now being spoken about for this. I'd be quite surprised if he came in in that kind of role. You know, not basically in the top role, even within just the coaching setup. I also think that to be honest he'd probably be quite a disruptive influence. You know, I think we're starting hopefully to get some clarity of message that is coming very um, distinctly and specifically from Van Graan at the top and filtering through guys like JP, who who he knows. I think maybe having Steve Diamond in would, would probably muddy the waters, obviously a guy of experience and who's been at the, the in the top rungs of rugby for, for, for quite a long time. One thing that I was I was thinking about, obviously one of the, the big parts and the, the the real success success stories for a Bath fan this season has been the signings that we've made from from Worcester. Obviously Worcester and Wasps going into administration. I was having a look at kind of the coaching setups that they had in place over the, the last few seasons. And a guy who's spoken really, really highly of in uh, you know, as a forwards coach and who was brought in in May of, of twenty two by Steve Diamond to Worcester was Nick Easter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's got, has had spells as a defence coach and as a forwards coach, both with, New, with Newcastle Falcons, 
um, sorry, not with Newcastle Falcons, with, with Sharks in Durban and then two seasons with, with Harlequins, obviously the club that he, he played for for years and years. He was then brought in by, by Diamond. Um, so he's, you know, he's, got, he's got four or five years experience brought in by Diamond. That obviously didn't go to plan for the reasons we know. He's now director of rugby at Chinner, so a, you know, a third tier national one side and ultimately is out of work. Well, no, he's not out of work, but ultimately I imagine as a coach is probably wanting to return to the upper echelons of, of, of rugby. So, you know, I think he might be a guy that, you know, it could be that Johan's looking further afield and looking at guys that he's worked with previously. Obviously, Graham Roundtree was forwards coach at Munster, who's now head of rugby. So that's not, that's not an option. So I'm just looking a bit closer to home and thinking practically that's worked well with, with Ted Hill, with Ollie Lawrence, with, with Fergus Lee Warner. So, why not have a look at, at potential guys looking to return to the Premiership, but in, in, at a different club? Yeah, that certainly would be a happy Easter, wouldn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, personally, I think Johan might find someone that he's a bit more familiar with. But but yeah, that's a great shout. Well, well dug out, Tom. Thank you very much for joining me, mate. That was a, a much more positive podcast. Really, really enjoyed that one thank you for listening thank you for sticking by us throughout this tough season we can't believe kind of the numbers and the listening numbers that, we, that we've been getting despite the results so huge thank you to you guys for listening and for sharing the podcast amongst your friends we're gonna have a little bit of a break now two weeks of fantastic champions cup action which we're not involved in we'll be back after the massive west country derby against gloucester on king so that game's on the 14th of february so expect us in your feeds soon after that and in the meantime stick behind the boys through thick and thin